And I'd like to introduce Bill McQuaig. Uh, Bill's going to be delivering this morning's message. He's the director of Sacramento Camp and Conference Center, the old Sacramento Methodist Assembly. It's been renamed. Um, but Bill comes to share with us just uh, this morning's word and also just, I've always wanted to have him come to do kind of talk about camp and deliver the message. And I'll be honest with you all, I never think of it until I've got like the whole fall planned and there's not a Sunday. And so this year I actually thought ahead. So Bill, we're happy to have you. And if you'd come up and folks, I just want to introduce you to Bill McQuig. I get to share the scripture with you this morning, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, I was about 35 years old before I finally got it. Uh, Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so he called a little child, much like what you had on the front pews this morning, called a little child to stand among them, he said, unless, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I have a quick little video we're going to show. It's called The Power of Camp. And uh, that's the stage. recognize anybody in that, those videos? Anybody? <laughs> some of you haven't been to Sacramento in a while. You saw some changes, maybe, since you've, since you've been there before. Uh, cool things are happening, and I've been blessed to be a part of that ministry uh, way back, way back. Um, and it's, a, it's a, 
a blessing to my life. I was a camper there in the 60s and 70s, and my mom was a camper there in the late 40s and 50s, and my great-grandmother ran cattle up there in the 1890s. Uh, so <laughs> my, my heritage goes way back uh, in that area. But um, obviously we want to talk about what Jesus' purpose is for Sacramento and uh, why I'm here today. And a key component of that scripture is what Jesus is talking to us about. And I'm going to use the comparison saying when he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to us in this room. And he says to us, you better change. You see, I think the disciples came to Jesus asking the question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Thinking he's going to say, well, you guys are. You see, they were handpicked by him. Uh, he, went, he was on a three-year journey with them, and this is coming towards kind of the end of, of his three-year ministry with his disciples, and they were feeling pretty puffed up about themselves. And he says, unless you change, Bill McQuaig, Mindy, Jeb, Jan, unless you change, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Did the disciples get it? Do we get it? Sometimes we need reminded. You go over to uh, Matthew 19, one chapter later, just a few days later in, in the disciples' lives, Jesus and his entourage are, are going into this uh, town, and uh, word had spread in advance that uh, Jesus was coming. And so the moms brought all their little kids, much like we had in the pew this morning. They brought all their little kids that maybe he would bless them, maybe lay hands on them, maybe say a prayer for them. And what an exciting thing. And so the little children were brought to Jesus for him. This is uh, chapter 19, verse 13. The little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. And what did the disciples do? Get away. We don't have time for you. They were rebuked. They had more important things to do. Jesus had just told them who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and they're not listening. They're thick-skulled, much like we are still today. Because Jesus told them they better change and become like these little children, or they will never enter the kingdom. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Sometimes we don't put enough vocal pounding in what Jesus is saying in the red letters. Do not hinder them. He's chastising his disciples. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed his hands on them and he went on from there. Important stuff. You know, we saw in the video um, some of the statistics of, about uh, children today. 270 minutes watching television uh, a week, 82 minutes on the phone, 27 minutes on the computer every single day. This is before COVID. <laughs> you know, how many, day, how many hours are you spending on the computer every day now? Um, I need mine. <laughs> I do. I do. But unfortunately, it controls us in so many different ways. And we're forgetting to stop, go outside, and smell the roses. In fact, while I'm doing this, I'm going to take a selfie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Give me a smile. Okay, great. <laughs> These are important. But man, the kids are spending way too much time on it every single day. 5.4 million youth 
are diagnosed with ADHD. 200 fast food commercials air every Saturday morning on TV. Four minutes a day are spent playing outside. And that's probably less now because we're not having PE outside maybe. 16% um, of six to 19 year olds are obese. 33% of teens get enough exercise. The stats, the stats are there. 7.5 million families are headed by single parent moms only. And two million are headed by single dads. The average US child spends 3.5 minutes in meaningful conversations with their parents every week. Church, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, only 15% of the average church budget is for youth programming. This is nationwide, I'm not pointing fingers at what this church is doing. Uh, and only 24% of church leaders view youth ministry as a priority. Well, I'm involved in Christian camping, and youth, youth is important for us. It's important for what we're doing. My life was impacted uh, at, at, at Sacramento uh, as, a, as a youth. Changed my life. I stepped out of the darkness and into the light for eternity because of a Pentecostal woman uh, at, at Sacramento Camp and Conference Center, that time called Sacramento Methodist Assembly, and I have no idea, Jeb, why a Pentecostal woman was my small group leader. <laughs> But, but she was, and on Monday, she prayed for me, and I didn't want to be there. My mama made me go to camp as a sophomore in high school, and I did not want to be there. I, had more, I wanted to be on swim team, and I had, uh, I had uh, baseball that I had to be at, and, and camp was the last thing I wanted to do, and my mom forced me to go, and I was going to show her, so I skipped out on some things. And I hunted for frogs and snakes in the pond, and, and I hid around the corner when they called me to small group. But this little lady named Miss Stewart... She says, I'm going to pray for you, Bill. And I didn't want anything to do with it on Monday. And Tuesday, she wanted to pray for me some more, and I didn't want anything to do with it. And I rebelled, and I skipped worship. And I didn't go to that. And then Wednesday, she prayed for me some more. And then Thursday at noon at the altar at the chapel at Sacramento, she led me to the altar, and she said, do you have anything to say? And I gave my life to Jesus Christ because of a Pentecostal holy roller named Miss Stewart who laid hands on me <laughs> she actually, and I grew up in a Methodist church that didn't do that, you know, and she put her hands on my shoulder and she prayed for me. And uh, my life has never been the same. And so God took this rebellion. I was, I was a good kid. I wasn't bad. I just didn't want to be there. I was rebellious against what God was wanting to do in my life. But it took a Mrs. Stewart to change my journey. And it takes all of us disciples and we have to change. Sometimes we're just so puffed up and proud of what God has done with our lives, we forget of what our true ministry is, and we forget what our characters are that we, characteristics are that we need to be. So when Jesus says change, is he main, meaning to be childish or childlike? And that, there's a difference. And so I've got boiled this down to four points that perhaps what Jesus is telling us as his disciples, have some awe and wonder about life. Kids have so much awe and wonder and excitement. Uh, I, had a, I had a little boy come into the dining hall one day, and he comes in, and he's a little minority kid, and he comes and says, Mr., 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 come out and look at the size of these pigeons. And so I come out, and I go outside the dining hall, and he says, look at the size of these pigeons. And it's a flock of turkeys <laughs> walking by. He had never, his city kid, he had never seen, he never knew what a turkey was. And I said, well, those are turkeys. Those are turkeys. He goes, turkeys like we have at Thanksgiving? He goes, does that come in a white plastic bag? 
He never, so it, it was kind of cool. You know, he had this awe and wonder. Uh, you know, uh, had a, had a, had a, my daughter, we go to the, we go to the ocean one time down at Galveston and, and, uh, there's no cliff you can see. You kind of, you walk up and you hear the ocean and you, you have to get out of your car and you have to walk and you kind of hear it and you're smelling it and you hike up over the sand dunes and my daughter, she's about five and, uh, and we hike up over the sand dunes and suddenly there's the ocean. And she goes, oh, daddy, I want to stay in the shallow end. <laughs> you know, this is, this is so exciting. I want to stay in the shallow end. But she had this awe and wonder about life and, uh, and we, we tend to lose that sometimes. Um, had a little a kid from Juarez, Mexico come to camp. Uh, we, we have a lot of uh, Juarez churches come up, uh, not since COVID, but, but uh, before. And so um, this little kid came up to me, and uh, he couldn't speak very good English, and I'm not very good at Spanish. And so his youth director came up and, and was interpreting a little bit. And he says, he has something he wants to tell you. And he says, God hugs me here. God hugs me here. And I said, oh, and I kind of pat him on. That's, that's good. He hugs me too. And the little kid went and sat down. And then the, the youth minister said, his daddy has disappeared. He witnessed his mother getting murdered. And he witnessed his sister, one sister getting raped and another sister getting kidnapped. And he said, he has nobody. And he says, he comes to Sacramento. You don't lock your doors. There's security in knowing that God is in charge of this place. The Holy Spirit loves this place. And he says, God hugs me here. Now, that doesn't have to be just at camp. But when, when, when these children come to this church or when they see you in the community or when they see you at Walmart, are they feeling God hugging them in the presence of God and because of you, disciples? You know, that kid has awe and wonder about what's going on. Point number two, kids have the ability to pay close attention. Any school teachers in the room, Sunday school teachers that, that have taught in the past, you know, um, on my report card in elementary school, I got U's. Back in the days when they gave U's and S's, I got U's for pays close attention, okay? Um, my teacher had it wrong. You see, so many of our kids have the ability to pay co close attention. I paid close attention to the cricket crawling across the back corner of the room. The window, I could see the clouds, and I, I paid attention to every cloud formation that was made. And then Susie's ponytail was right in front of me, and I love paying attention to pulling Susie's ponytail. And uh, Jimmy always had his shoes untied, and I love paying attention to why his shoes always were untied. He never, never tripped. You see, I paid close attention to everything. And that's what a child has that ability to do. My kids, as they were growing up, they could have the radio going, the computer going, the TV going, and read their books and do their homework. And I never could figure that out. Your, your kids can do that. There's some, they have that ability to pay attention to a lot of things. Okay? And as grown-ups, we tend to lose that ability. And I think Jesus is saying to the disciples, have the ability to pay close attention to everything. We go 70 miles an hour. 75 yesterday. I, I poked 81 times, Jeb, as I was coming up. Um, we go 75 miles an hour, and we don't go 5 miles an hour or 1 mile an hour and really walk slow in God's presence and really take a nature hike. You know, how many of you went and fed the ducks this week? <laughs> Nobody, you know. It's kind of cool to go feed the ducks, they attack me every day at camp. <laughs> I get to do it all the time. Go out and feed the ducks sometime. Pay close attention to their feathers and intricacies of their colorations and the butterfly that might land on the flower next to them and the beautiful flower. Jesus is telling us to slow down a little bit and pay close attention. 
Point number three, live in trust and faith. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Goodness gracious, do kids like to take risks? Oh my gosh. You know, I have three and then I have uh, six grandkids and they are risk takers. Man, you know, um, at least they put helmets on when they're riding a bike now. Uh, so that's kind of kind of cool. Um, man, I learned how to ski. I was 31 years old when I learned how to ski, snow ski. And uh, I was a good athlete, did everything, but I never skied. So our youth group went and I kind of helped them out one time. And, and so I thought, well, I better take lessons. People said, you can take lessons. Oh, I don't need lessons, Jeb. I'm a good athlete. But I was smart and I took lessons. So they, they line us up. And they put the skis on us, taught us how to do that. And they put us in a class with kind of everybody. I was with the old people as a 30-year-old. And then we were all the way down to like six-year-olds in our class. And they kind of divided us up. Hardest thing I ever did in my life. You know, the, the, the snow plow and the, and the moving and the scooting and trying to load up on the T-bar, the little rope thing first. And it was hard. It was hard. And our instructor, he got really frustrated with myself and some of us older ones. He said, it's lunchtime. So we started at 10. So now it's noon. He said, go have lunch. Come back at 1. And so, and meet us here at the bunny slopes again. So I get there, and we're meeting at the bunny slopes. But all the little kids are gone. And we're still kind of learning how to do this. And we, he says, now look at them. And they're coming down off the black diamonds. Okay? No poles. <laughs> just little short skis. And they're going 90 miles an hour and having a blast. And I'm thinking to myself, how can a seven, eight, nine-year-old do this? And here's this 30-year-old athlete can't figure it out, you know, for multiple reasons. And that's why kids love to take risks. That child has a little less distance to fall than I do, okay? And I might get hurt. I might get hurt. And that's how it is when we grow up. We forget to take a risk for the kingdom of God sometimes because it might hurt if we fail. It might hurt if we fall down and get a boo-boo. We might actually break something. A child has no inhibitions about taking a risk. And I think Jesus is telling us, I need you to take a risk for the kingdom. I need you to have some holy boldness and get out there and be excited about this ministry thing that disciples I'm teaching you about because something's fixing to happen in a few weeks here. I no longer will be with you. And I need you to be able to take a risk. Please change. Have holy boldness. There's a uh, book, uh, we've, a bunch of us have read them, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And there's one story in it that just really touched my heart. And this man's walking down a beach, and a storm had come in and, and gone out, and the tide had washed up a bunch of seashells on the beach and starfish. And uh, up ahead, he sees this little boy, uh, walking along the beach ahead of him, picking stuff up and throwing it in the water. Over and over and over, he's bending down, picking stuff up and throwing it in the water. And so as he gets closer, he realizes this kid is throwing the starfish back in the ocean. And he stops and says, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? He goes, well, the sun's hot. This is a little boy telling the man, the sun's hot, and uh, all these starfish washed up in the storm, and they're going to die. And there's millions of starfish have washed up. And the man says, there's so many, you can't begin to make a difference. And the little boy reaches down, he picks one up, and he looks at it, he looks at the man, and he threw that one in the water, and he said, I made a difference to that one. But as grown-ups, we say, there's too much. We can't handle it. We can't deal with it. And we put our blinders on, and we forget to look at uh, uh, that we can live in trust and faith like a child can. And uh, 
golly, is there negative stuff? Is there a bunch of starfish washed up in the storms of our life? There sure are. But we can't say, I can't make a difference. I can't touch one, I can't impact one kid. I can't impact one starfish. I can't change my neighbor. So I just put my blinders on and I'd go about my, my, my day. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples, us. He's telling Bill McQuaig, you can make a difference. Live in trust and faith. Trust me. I will empower you with the Holy Spirit to do things and get her done and give you that boldness. It'll work. And point number four that God is, that Jesus is telling his disciples is, please have some enthusiasm like this little child. Please have some excitement about what God is doing in this world. You have two choices in the morning when you get up. Good God, it's morning. Or good morning, God. It's as simple as that. It starts when your feet hit the floor. Good morning, God. Uh, that, that simple little of ability to have enthusiasm. Some of you have seen on YouTube the little video of that. I don't know, she's six or seven years old, and she's standing up on the kitchen sink, or the, the bathroom sink, uh, looking in the mirror, and she's giving herself a cheerleading lesson. Go, 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 you're going to have a good day. You're a great person. You're awesome. You're super. You're fantastic. That's what we need to be doing every day. Have that enthusiasm and excitement. Jesus is telling his disciples, quit moping around. Be excited about me. Be excited about what's happening in our life. You know, he's telling us, you better change. You better change. Attitude is the one thing in life we have control over. We can't control the news, cancer, brokenness, presidential elections, Senate elections. We can't control pandemics. We can't control governor's restrictions. We can only control how we react to it. We can only control our attitude about it. I went up to the Archie's this morning and I said, is this how I'm supposed to wear it? You know, <laughs> you know do I like this? No. But hey, wild rags have been around a long time. You know, I don't want, we need to embrace them again. You know, has it impacted Christian camping in Sacramento? This thing, this COVID, you bet it has. We've lost a million bucks in the last less than a year. You know, but God is providing. Your church donates you as individuals, there's some shareholders in the room. You love on us. You keep donating to us. We're surviving. We're doing okay. Do I like it? No. But you know what? I get up in the morning, I'm going to have a good attitude about it. You know, it's because the ministry we're in in camping is, is so, so important. Our attitude is the one string we have to play on. Uh, Kenny Rogers, bless his soul, passed away this last year. He had a country western hit, and it was about a, a mom washing dishes in her kitchen, looking at her kitchen window, at her son playing catch with himself in the backyard. And she sees him uh, throwing up a ball, throwing it in the air, swinging his bat, and he misses. And she hears him say, I'm the world's greatest baseball player. And she kind of finishes up the dishes, and she goes out, and she stands at the back door. He throws the ball up again in the air, and he swings, and he misses even worse this time. And he, she hears him say, I'm the world's best baseball player. I'm so good. And she steps outside and walks to help him a little bit. And he throws it up again. And he misses even worse, totally misses. And he says, I'm a fantastic baseball player. I'm the world's best pitcher. I just struck myself out. You know, it's all about our attitude. It's all about our attitude. You can make a difference. We have to change. You know, gosh, Jeb, it did my heart good seeing the kids in here this morning. You know? There's one, did you use the word precocious? No, I don't know. <laughs> Bold, 
holy boldness right over here. Man, he was asking questions. He was wanting to be involved. And we can't say to ourselves or tell him, shh, don't talk. Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk in a crowd. You see what we're doing? We're stymieing the enthusiasm and the excitement that Jesus is wanting us to be like. He's holding them up as an example to us. And we grow up and we grow out of it. Be excited. Sacramento needs your help. We need your support. It's some weird times going on. Send kids to camp. Uh, come, come as grown-ups. Come as work teams. When this uh, is released a little bit, we can have events. We have horse camp. We have elementary camp. We have music camp. We have youth camp. We have camp for adults. Uh, come as a family unit. Come as family reunions. Uh, we, we, need, we are here to serve you. Because when you come upon Sacramento, the Holy Spirit indwells there without a doubt. Um, I think the Holy Spirit indwelled there when Jeb worked there as a high school kid, a college kid, in your private Christian schools in this area. It's not just Sacramento. They all need you to be excited and enthusiastic about supporting what Jesus is doing in Clovis, in New Mexico, in eastern New Mexico, and in Sacramento. Love on us. Love on us when you can. Thank you for allowing me to share. Um, I'll turn it back over to you. I have a booth set up outside and would love to visit with you a little bit more. And uh, just remember us and thank you again for your support uh, for Sacramento. It's been going on since 1931. And you all have kept us going, kept us alive, and kept us vibrant. Uh, be excited. Change like the little children that are examples for us because Jesus commands us to. Thank you all. Be blessed. Thanks, Bill. So just a couple things. First, um, for those of you that know, uh, Old Krusty, the church van, we actually, Bill's daughter came and picked it up on Friday. Her and her husband are on the way to see Bill's wife, and the trustees voted to donate that van. Um, it's been a while, but I didn't go to camp in October because we had a new office person when camp would have been, and I needed to be here, and so we, we donated to them. And then also, uh, the finance committees affirmed that what we're going to do for our Christmas Eve offering this year is divide it between Parkview Elementary School and then Sacramento um, to either, I mean, Sacramento's got a lot of things going on. So whether it's just their operating budget for things that have happened, obviously COVID set them back. But then also what Bill hasn't told you or mentioned to you, and you'll see the sign in the back, is they're also in the middle of building a dormitory right now. And so uh, COVID, I think, is a great time to try and build a building. Um, and so I know that if you stop back there, you'll see it. It's interesting. Camp that, that you and I remember, or at least my childhood and probably what most of you remember, is a little different. You can go today and, you know, it's a hotel room. You have an air conditioner or a heater, depending on the season, um, or both, because it, you just flick the switch. Um, you know, it's not the dorms that, that we all grew up going to. Um, it's a whole lot better, and the food is tremendous. So uh, there's my two cents. 